Live from Utrecht, this is the fan Willem Schorsnedo. Hello. George, welcome. Thank you. Who's this? There's a guy in the room. There's another guy in the room. Sorry to... There's three of us party. today. <laughs> that's right. And I'm also from Utrecht, so that's amazing. All three of us. Ruben Somsen. That's right. Welcome. Thanks. Let's start with... Uh, yeah, let's briefly explain who you are. Sure. I'm Ruben. I like Bitcoin a lot. Originally, I've been in South Korea for a very long time. I uh, ran the Seoul Bitcoin meetup there and I got so into Bitcoin that now I'm kind of contributing or going and making proposals such as state chains, which I assume we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And in South Korea, you were hosting the Seoul meetup, I think. Yeah, that's that's right. So I was doing the Seoul Bitcoin meetup there. Right now, it's kind of on a hiatus. I mean, I'm not there. There's Corona right now, so so that's not great. Maybe some of the guys that are still around there uh, will be organizing more meetups again once things get back to normal. But for now, uh, I'm here back in the Netherlands, and I'm enjoying your company. So that's also great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're hanging out in Utrecht, and you're staying here for the foreseeable future? Um, yeah, I, I haven't really planned ahead. So for now, I'm just going to be here and yeah, we should hang out more often. Yeah, I mean, the weather is great here. so uh... A little rainy. <laughs> I got wet on my way here, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's something. Yes, and you designed state chains. That's your claim to fame. Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's the that's the one that that's stuck. I mean, there are a couple of other things that I've I've done that I haven't really. Well, I guess I have yet to present in a way that people understand and appreciate. But uh, state chains is the one that I think most people uh, know me from. Mm-hmm. You want to get into it? Sure. Yeah. Are you ready for state chains? I think I am. I mean, we could probably uh, remind the user that we did an episode, episode six, about sharing a UTXO, so sharing a coin on the blockchain between multiple people. We discussed uh, various ways to do that, and this is actually another way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, payment pools, right? I, I listened to that episode. Correct. Well, it is and it isn't. It's, it's pretty different. Well, that's why I said it's another way. <laughs> okay, it's another. Yeah, but you're not sharing the UTXO in the case of state chains, anyways. Well, you're sharing it with with the state, like with the state chain federation, sort of. So mm. I, I think you could say that. It just depends on how you look at it. Uh, okay, maybe I should say another way. Well, it's like sharing a car. You know, whose car is it? What are you sharing? I mean, a, a little bit. Right, there is another party involved. I think that is important to indicate. Yeah. All right, let's get into state chains. Who's gonna? I guess. I guess it makes sense if you take the lead, Ruben. Sure. Do, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Please. Okay, go for it. Yeah, feel free. For, okay, first of all, no. Let me ask you a question. First of all, what, okay. what problem are we solving here? Yeah. So the problem we're solving is basically trying to take bitcoins off chain in such a way that we have a minimum amount of risk to some kind of third party. So. What we want is we want to have some Bitcoins and I want to send you those Bitcoins. But ideally, we don't use the Bitcoin blockchain because that's expensive, especially in the future when more and more transactions hopefully are going to occur. So we have to do it in some other ways. Mm -hmm. And state chains is one of those ways. And one analogy or or one similarity is that of federated sidechains. So federated sidechains are kind of also a model where you basically hand over your Bitcoins to some kind of multi-sig address. And then from that point on, you move your coins on another ledger. And then at some point, you ask for your coins back and multi-sig hopefully gives them to you. This is kind of like that, but more secure and kind of a different model because you're transferring entire UTXOs. So it's not not like with a sidechain you would have 
you could send any kind of fraction of a Bitcoin and you could get take those out. But here, that's not the case. Here, there's a there's a UTXL on the blockchain, and I can either transfer that whole thing to you or or not. Yeah, that's exactly that's that's actually why I figured it's not sharing UTXO. You you either have it or you don't. It's not like we You're both have a the, part of it. Yeah, you're passing the UTXO around. Yeah, yeah, but but it is possible to send it to two people. So you don't necessarily have to send it from Alice to Bob. You could send it from Alice to Alice and Bob. So then it becomes hmm. a payment pool or a channel or whatever you want. I didn't actually know that. Let's get into yeah. that once once we've explained uh, state chains themselves. Okay. Yeah, so the way I I wrote an article about it a while ago, like over a year ago, yeah, that was and sort of the sort of the first step I took was what you can do if you own a UTXO is just instead instead of send the transaction, just send someone the private key. Yeah. Okay. The reason you can't actually do that is because the person can keep the private key, keep yeah. a copy of it, and still send the coin. So that's the first problem you sort of need to solve here, right? Yeah. So how do we solve this problem? How do you, how do you share? Yeah, how do you share a key and not yes. uh, not get screwed over because the other guy still has the copy of the key? Well, there's this guy in Canada that made this device that can do that. But this is a bit of a sidetrack. Uh, I have no like idea HSM, what you're talking uh, about. Are, are you talking about like an HSM like a device that can transfer over yeah, private keys? Yeah, a USB key that has a private key on it and has a self-destruct mechanism that will oh, sure. open, open dime. Yeah. Open dimes. All right, right. So that is a, a way to do that. Very different trust model than what you're describing, but yeah. it's kind of similar that you cannot, you, you can't just send arbitrary amounts. You can't use an open dime to send half of the money from the open dime. You give the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and in that sense, uh, state chains are a bit similar. Yeah, you could say it's like a, a virtual open dime where there's some kind of federation <laughs> that is kind of like the replacement of the open dime functionality to ensure that the that private key doesn't actually do anything funny. Enough with the sidetracks. Yes, I, I don't think the analogy is as, as useful as I was hoping. So <laughs> let's just uh, let's just get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So essentially, we instead of having one key that you transfer over from Alice to Bob, say, there are two keys, and one key is with a federation, or you know, if you want to, for simplicity, you could just say a single server, but a federation would be more secure. And essentially, you do two things. You hand over your key, Alice hands over her key to Bob, and then simultaneously she requests the server or the federation to sign a off-chain Bitcoin transaction that assigns the Bitcoins, that assigns the UTXL to Bob. And this, this means that if the federation, the state chain disappears, Bob can just send that transaction to the Bitcoin blockchain and get the Bitcoins. And we have a, a dispute mechanism, or in this case, uh, it's uh, utilizing L2, that ensures that even though Alice also has a copy of an off-chain transaction, Bob's copy basically goes first or has, has a, a priority. Okay, one step at a time. Yeah. First of all, we need a federation, or it could just be a, a trust server, but a federation is a bit more secure. Yes, yes. Okay, so the first thing we're doing is we're, we're securing this UTXO in a multisig. Two out of two, yes, right? That's, that's, right. The, that's the idea. Yeah. So that way, if I get... Um, I'm Alice. I give my private key to Bob. Yeah. Then Bob cannot yet spend the coins without the, the server helping out, right? Yes. And the same for me. Like when I first put my money in the UTXO, I can spend the money without the server helping out or the federation. I'm that, that's using right. the two yeah. in a confusing way, perhaps. <laughs> but whether it's a federation or a server, you need someone's yeah. help. That's two of two. That part is easy. The hard part is 
first so there's i think there's two big problems the first big problem is what do you do if the federation is unresponsive yeah okay because if the federation is unresponsive then you can't get your money out yeah i can't get my money out if the federation is unresponsive so we need a solution for that Mm -hmm. and the solution for that looks a lot like lightning yes if your counterparty isn't responding anymore you could still get your money out. And the way you do that is with a pre-signed transaction that sends coins in a specific way to new outputs where it can be spent either with cooperation, like either sort of in the original way in cooperation with the server, or after a week, you just get the funds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right, okay. So that's how I would set it up at first. Yes. But then I'm sending money to Bob. So I'm sending my private key to Bob. I'm just giving him my private key as a way of paying him. Yeah. So now the server has to help Bob. But it also means Bob has to be able to get his money out if the server is unresponsive. Yes. So therefore, Bob also needs this backup transaction. That's right. So before I send the private key to Bob, I actually first cooperate with the Federation or the server. Yeah to set up a backup transaction for Bob, and yeah. only when Bob has a backup transaction will he also accept the key as a form of payment. That's right. Right? Yeah, so once both of, once both of these have occurred, uh, the payment is basically complete, and before that, the payment would not be accepted by Bob. So yeah, absolutely right, and thanks for, I, I think you're very good at explaining these things, and also in your article, so I just want to say like thanks for like rewarding this, because I think this is really useful for our listeners. Thank you. Are you still with us, Jos? Yeah, partially. So, so there's a there is a multisig involved in this, or not? Or is yes. It two different conditions. Okay, so there's actually two multisigs if we use the federation, well, and that's why we need Snore, I think. Yeah, let's let's, let's just call it a server. Federation and just have one server yeah. with a private key on it, just to keep it simple. We sure. To keep in mind that this could be a very complicated thing, but just call it one server. Yeah. So the the server creates an address or something where it creates a private key and then there's a multisig between the server and Alice. Yes. That's where the money's at. So they both have to sign in order to move it. They both have to sign in order to move it. They have before the money is moved in. That's right. Yeah. So Alice already has a transaction where uh, she can reclaim uh, the Bitcoin, similar to kind of how when you set up a lightning channel, before you set it up, you, you sign a transaction where you get your coins back if cooperation fails. Yeah, which you don't broadcast yet, obviously. Yeah. Like, you broadcast that if and when the servers are unresponsive. Yeah, and then, so the way you move with Bob is now Bob creates the same uh, transaction uh, to him. Yeah, well, Alice, Alice has to do that for him because Bob is not in control yet. So Alice asked the server to create an, another off-chain transaction, but now sending the money to Bob. And then Alice hands her private key, or rather the transitory key, as I call it, because it's not really Alice's key. It's the key that goes from one user to another user. That one then gets handed over from Alice to Bob. Next question. The way this works, so Bob has his backup transaction. That must be able to override Alice's backup transaction, right? Yes. And I think that's why there needs to be this week of wait time basically yes there there needs to be some kind of resolution there and it's, it's again it's very similar to lightning where you 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 when you send coins you you create a new off-chain transaction and then the previous off-chain transaction has to become invalid somehow and the way it's done here or the uh, at least the ideal way for state chains is utilizing uh, l2 
which is a, a soft fork that is going to come in the future and it's actually mainly intended for the Lightning Network. But what that does is it allows you to not have to invalidate a transaction, but instead you can kind of override it, or that would be like kind of my analogy, where even though Alice has one of these off-chain transactions, even if she sends it to the Bitcoin blockchain, Bob can then go ahead and send his transaction and kind of override it and, and take the money. Yeah. Because what we're worried about here is Alice gives you know a, a key to Bob, but Alice still has a key, so she could steal the money. But yeah, if she does that, just like in Lightning, there's some sort of way to stop that from happening. Yeah. And the the way that you can already do is with uh, rolling timeouts, right? Where Alice can send the transaction on February 1st, but Bob can do it a day earlier. Yeah. So Bob can always stay ahead of Alice. And with this new proposal, uh, any Brevout is another word for it. Sometimes it's called Sigash No Input. It changes names all the time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Alice can broadcast her transaction, but Bob's transaction will fit onto that transaction, mm. so to speak. So uh, he can always just take the money from Alice, but not the other way around. Alice's transaction does not fit on Bob's transaction. Yeah. Right. So no one needs to trust anyone for anything, well, right? Uh, <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> There is the yeah, so there is a trust trade-off, Ruben. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the trust trade-off. Yeah, so the trust trade-off is that if the server, let's call it, right, could be a federation, if they literally want to take your money, they have a way of doing so. So what they could do is they could be the first person, they could pretend to be Alice, right? So the server is also Alice, mm -hmm. and... Then yeah, they're not pretending Alice in this example. They are Alice. They are Alice, yes. yeah. So we've got the server, we've got Alice, and then Alice sends her coins to Bob, and hands over uh, the private key. But now we still have Alice who has the private key. Mm -hmm. And Alice, because she's also the server, also has the server key. So now she has both keys. And so even though the money went to Bob, Alice and the server can just cooperate. Or if they're the same person, it's very easy for them to cooperate and uh, take the money back. So. Mm -hmm. That would be the the main kind of way in which uh, this can go wrong. Yeah. So to emphasize this, because I'm not sure if we've made this very clear yeah. uh, uh, so far, the the idea is that the server will only ever cooperate with the last recipient of the funds. That's what the server is supposed to do. That's what we're yeah. trusting the server with. Only the last person who received the funds. That's the only person you sign along with. Yeah, that's correct. So, so that's also how the server can cheat by being one of the previous recipients of the funds mm -hmm. or co colluding with them and that way not keeping to the original idea of only signing in cooperation with the last recipient and thereby stealing the funds. Yeah, that's right. Because Bob would not have asked the, the server to sign anything, yet the server signs the coins uh, and, and takes them. So that would be a, a violation of what the uh, what the server, what the staging server is supposed to do. Generally speaking, so if the server is malicious, you're screwed. But there are quite a few kind of nice things that we can do to make it as trust minimized as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, to be clear, still, there is there is this problem. It mm -hmm. exists. So the, f the first thing is that, well, which we talked about already, right? It's the federation. So it's not just a single person. It's a, a, a group of people. Hopefully, they're all over the world and they're spread out. And there's some kind of threshold multisig. So seven out of 10 have to agree to take your money if they want to do so. And the second thing is that there's actually a little trick that might be a little bit difficult to explain. So I, I guess I, I won't go into it too deeply, but essentially there is a trick that allows you to change the transitory key with each transfer. If the Federation is not malicious and if they're acting honestly, 
they will cooperate with Bob to change the, the two private keys, the state chain key and the transitory key. And now if at some later point, let's say Alice goes and tries to hack the state chain, they cannot actually take the coins because the state chain has updated its private key and no longer has the key that it used in cooperation with Alice. So maybe it's useful here to, to consider how a custodial wallet might work. Yeah. Right? In, in a custodial wallet, you give a server, Slack Federation, whatever it is, you give them your Bitcoin and they can do whatever they want with it, whether or not they're, they're honest and they could be forced or they could be hacked at some later point. Yeah. But in this model, um, like you're presenting now, if they're honest, they can at least make sure that um, if they get hacked, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If they can hack later on, it doesn't get matter. Yeah, it so matter. it's kind of it's kind of like a voluntary non-custodial setup where if they voluntarily give up their control, then they cannot even cooperate with prior users of the state chain and, and take the money. So they, they literally kind of give up their control as long as they follow the protocol as intended. And so while this doesn't protect you against a malicious state chain, it protects you against third parties that might attack the state chain, might hack them, or maybe there's a court order, and then they cannot actually comply because they don't actually have the keys to take your coins. Yeah. Interesting. And another con- another point uh, that we kind of got to earlier, there's also the situation of what happens when the entity disappears, right? So if the yeah. custodial wallet disappears, well, you're just out of luck. Yeah. Your money is stuck in that place. You, know, you need to go through the uh, traditional court systems. I think I mean, it's similar with a system like Liquid, where you have a federation that controls the whole sidechain. Mm. If they go offline, the money stays in that federation or a subset of it. Whereas here, at least if, if without any malicious actors, things break down, uh, you still get your money back. Yeah. So it's very subtle, the trade-offs. And, and I would imagine for a novice user, um, they would not be able to <clears throat> understand those differences. And mm. also, sometimes you can't even verify the differences. Because you don't know from the outside the difference between a malicious server and a non-malicious server because it's not written on the server. <laughs> That's true. one that says, well, I'm trying not to be malicious, but yeah. Yeah, there would have to be some kind of reputation involved, right, where you you know that that federation somehow is, is reliable. Yeah, so, so that's kind of an important point to make. Right, so with the federated sidechain model, you have kind of a minority can refuse to give you your coins. If it's six or seven out of 10 multisig, then that means that three or four people, if they refuse to sign, you're not getting your coins back. So this minority can actually freeze your coins. Whereas with this model, you need the majority to literally take the coins from you, otherwise you're gonna get your coins back. So that is roughly a doubling of security, depending on how you look at it. Hmm. Um, And on top of that, you can even make the federation a higher threshold. You can do an eight out of 10 and nine out of 10, because the worst case scenario is that one or two federation members disappear and then you're forced on chain, but you don't lose your money. So it's not a huge deal, although it is an inconvenience. Maybe it's worth pointing out uh, because we still had this very cumbersome property of having to handle the entire UTXO. And and as you've mentioned, you can actually build a channel inside of this thing, just kind of just like we discussed in the previous episode. Yes. Yeah. So so the, uh, the interesting thing is that basically all the scripting functionality of Bitcoin is preserved and is kind of done outside of the uh, the state chain itself. So the server doesn't really have to know anything. It just literally, it just signs for whoever the owner is and it doesn't have to look at what it's signing. And in fact, this, these can be blind signatures, uh, ideally. If, that, if the thing that the server is signing is a transaction that sends the money to Alice and Bob, 
we have essentially created a uh, lightning channel that we've opened on top of a state chain. And what's particularly useful and interesting about this is that you now have an off-chain method of creating lightning channels. Uh, it, it kind of solves the, the main issue of, of the state chain, which is that, well, I have a one Bitcoin UTXL, but I want to send you 0.5 Bitcoin. How do I do that? So now I can open a channel and immediately give you 0.5 Bitcoin, and this can happen off-chain, and basically I'm onboarding you onto the Lightning Network uh, immediately. And then it, as long as we cooperate, we can then just go ahead and use it as a regular Lightning channel. Yeah, yeah or you can balance the channel to the exact right amount and then... Wait, am I saying that right? Am I just repeating what you just said? I'm, I'm not sure I guess what, you, I am. what you're getting at, but, but even even if the channel is imbalanced, right? Like, let's say we have a channel, and at some point I just send all my money to Shores. Well, now we can kind of close the Lightning channel, and it just becomes a regular state chain UTXO again, but now Shores is the owner instead of me. Yeah, no, I, I'm... <laughs> I agree. I was just going to repeat what you just said okay. because... <laughs> Which I is also I useful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All no, but um, no, that wouldn't have been useful. You you explained it just fine. Okay, so is anyone working on this? Yeah, so there is, in fact, an implementation that's being worked on now by uh, a company called Commerce Block. And they are considering we don't have this uh, L2, SIGESH, any prevout software yet. They are restricted in the degree to which they can make kind of the full picture happen. And one of the things that I think will not be possible for them is to have this be some kind of lightning channel. That That is probably not going to be possible, or at the very least, they're going to have UTXOs that are going to expire the more you transfer them. So this is what uh, Shores was explaining earlier. If you want to do it without an L2, you basically have kind of a, a ticking clock that goes down. So... The first thing is that you have to start with a high high clock. You have to start with one year from now. And then with every transfer, you probably, like ideally you want a week between each, each transfer. But okay, so maybe because, because of this uh, limitation, you do it one day. So you count down one day. Well, that means that you only have 365 transfers until you're at zero. And now, you're, now your UTXO needs to be refreshed on chain. So that's kind of one of the, uh, the downsides of the implementation. But that said, like, I, I think it, it's realistic to try and utilize what you can utilize instead of waiting for a soft fork because these things can take a long time. Schnorr has been taking a long time. Who knows how long Sigus any prevalence is going to take. I hope we're going to get there soon, but at the same time, that's not... You know, that's not how you build actual protocols today. You gotta, you gotta. It also make helps it. soft fork right? if you have something that actually needs it. Mm. So, uh, you know, the case for a SIGESH any prefer can be made just by Lightning, just by looking at Lightning actually exists now. There's all sorts of complications with it that people have shown. Hey, SIGESH pref uh, any prefer will make that just easier. Yeah. So it's very, it's a very clear case for it already. But if that case didn't exist, then maybe something like state chains could exist and even the and it'd be cumbersome but people would still be using it because that's mm. of course the metric like you can have a really complicated system and if nobody uses it then nobody cares but if a lot of people are using it but the complexity is there now you've made a case for the software so it is it can be useful to try something with a suboptimal technology just to see if there's any demand for it because maybe there's none maybe yeah people don't care about it yeah that's too many trade-offs that that's a good point yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and it is, I guess, uh, yeah, to your point, it, like, it, it's kind of yet another reason to, to get CGS any prev out. So that's, that's, that's a plus, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, it could be. It could be, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> we haven't mentioned w what part of this is actually called the state chain, I think. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so 
You, yeah, Where go ahead. Where is the chain? Where is the chain? Yes. So there, there is a chain, and that is uh, the. So when Alice sends her money to Bob, what Bob has to do is actually go back and check all the signatures that the the state chain has made with this key to see if there's any conflicting transaction. So that is the chain. Uh, there's going to be a chain that is just linear uh, for each UTXL, where the entire UTXL goes from Alice to Bob to Carol to Dave. And with each transfer, there's a signature from the state chain. And that is the, that is the chain. That is the, the, the state chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very simple states, linear states, and just transferring basically ownership of that, of the, the signing rights, essentially, of the, of the state chain key from one person to another. Yeah. And I think that's also what makes it obvious if the federation or the server tries to cheat at any point. Yes. Well, if you publish the chain. Yes. That's, that's another part where you mentioned. You yeah. could make the chain itself public in a privacy-friendly way so that uh, the participants can see whether the server is you know, doing a double spend. Yes. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. So, so this is, I think, a, a difficult point for people to, to comprehend, but an important one, which is that what if I have two two states essentially so i have alice to bob and i have alice to carol and i just make sure that bob only sees alice to bob and carol only sees alice to carol and now there's one utxl but there are two owners and only if they go on chain will they figure out what's going on and even in this scenario eventually they'll find out and eventually the state chain will, will be dead but if it's let's say a very successful state chain and people don't go on chain very often this this could mean that for a couple of months the state chain is just cheating and then eventually people find out but by then like you know it has half the coins not ideal so for that reason ideally you have some kind of um some kind of chain that contains every utxl that it controls and ideally you do so with a, a so-called sparse merkle tree which has basically one slot for every every possible hash you can imagine and that makes that means that if you have a single UTXL, there's only a single slot in which it could fit. So you could never publish both Alice and Bob, uh, Alice to Bob, and Alice and Carol at the same time. Right. So, so the, what does the slot look like? It's the hash of the UTXO, the hash of the yeah, yeah. It would be and then the new owner. It would owner. It would be probably the hash of the uh, the public key of the uh, of the state chain. So every the state chain has a different public key for every for every chain. So, and, and ideally, you don't really tell it which UTXL it controls. Uh, it doesn't really have to know that information. So it would be the, the, the key with which the state chain signs that would be the slot. Right. At least uh, some, some derivative of the UTXO and some derivative of the owner yeah. public key, yeah. essentially. And you can see, or you, you look up the UTXO and you see that, there's only, that you're the actual owner according to the thing that's published. Yes. And, and so... So yeah, where is it published? Where would you? Yeah, so, do you so there, two, there. One way of doing it would be to have another peer-to-peer network where people share the the chain essentially. But actually, what's interesting, one thing you can do is just you can use the Bitcoin blockchain and just publish on there. So you would have for every ten minutes, you would publish a new hash or a new set of hashes if you want a faster faster chain, and that would mean that. You know, it's it's kind of the uh, you're utilizing Bitcoin as a censorship for censorship resistance, where you know only one chain is published. So you know, if in in the the Alice to Bob, Alice to Carol scenario, both Bob and Carol they go to the Bitcoin blockchain, they check the hash, and then they check their specific slot for the UTXO they own, and they would figure out that oh, Bob owns it or oh, Carol owns it. 
but that would then have to be like Merkle root in the blockchain because otherwise what's yeah. the point the, po- the point is to yeah, you only do it off chain the, right the only thing you need to put in the blockchain is a Merkle root yeah of all like, the state chains yeah or like all the state chains plus the library of Alexandria the, the point yeah. is as long as you offline have all the information that you need to reconstruct the whole Merkle tree then you should come to the conclu- you should then come to the conclusion that the Merkle root is what is in fact in the Bitcoin blockchain yeah uh, the, yeah I mean my, my issue with this sort of stuff is you're really proving why Bitcoin exists. Because all these problems, like, oh, but what if somebody double spends? Yeah. Uh, what if somebody's lying about what the truth is? Well, now, imagine we have this blockchain where we can just fix that. But, but you run into, you know, at some point, some scaling limitations. So it's nice to have creative ways out of it. But it's also nice to see that whenever you run into problems with this a new layer like you can see that bitcoin kind of solves that problem absolutely yeah but i mean that is sort of the point of second layers partly like we're making we're making some sort of trade-off somewhere in order to benefit yeah in other ways well it'll be interesting to see which of these solutions tends to win out i mean i i am a little biased towards the lightning working yeah um, but, and at this point, I don't see so much adoption of Lightning that I'm worried that the main chain is going to run out of capacity. In other words, we don't necessarily need another layer below or above Lightning. Yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree but with that. But obviously, and, and also my experience with human behavior is that people will absolutely ignore the next scaling problem until they <laughs> face. Yes. So, and, you know, Segwit got deployed a lot faster when fees went up. Yeah, um, and my guess would be that if and when Lightning hits serious capacity issues, because you know you can't close channels anymore if too many people do it at once, then people will look at all these proposals like state chains and then the other things. payment pools. Yeah, payment pools, and then they start really seriously implementing them. But then they notice that there's all sorts of practical problems they hadn't really thought about in the theoretical observations. Ruben has so, thought of everything, I think. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm trying, but no, obviously, once you get to the actual implementation, you run into issues. And I, I definitely, there are definitely like some, you know, more complex issues that are kind of difficult to even explain now on a podcast like this. So I definitely think that it's not going to be that easy. And, and you know, Lightning is a perfect example, like uh, to your point, Shores, like the Lightning Network, you know, in, in theory, it's relatively simple to understand i mean not super simple but now you know if you look at how it's working in practice with the routing and everything it's, it's like super complex and, um, and most of the problems are only discovered when you really are yeah. doing it yeah yeah so, so i'm imagining these cycles where you start running at max capacity you then start trying this this new layer solutions but by the time you you have some experience with it the capacity is already sort of subsided again yeah and then maybe. you have a few years to work on it yeah and then yeah, it repeats. And uh, yeah, you know, like I think, you know, I look at this from the perspective of where does Bitcoin have to go? And for me, it's kind of obvious that there is some kind of role for federations. And I think Lightning is kind of the superior option in terms of trustlessness, where you don't have to, there's no federation with Lightning, right? So, so that is better in that sense. But the issue you get with Lightning is that it's limited in throughput, right? You have these, you have routing, you have channels, and you have to send money through uh, channels that are available that have enough liquidity. Whereas with state chains, you don't really have that problem. You can have a 100 Bitcoin UTXO, and you can transfer it from one person to another person. Uh, no issues there. Obviously, there's a trade-off there, but I think once there will be a, a point where we'll, we hit the limitations of the Bitcoin blockchain, we hit the limitations of Lightning, 
And I think that's where federations fit in. And then we see federated sidechains becoming more popular and hopefully state chains as well. Right. Yeah, they, they work good in, in combination with each other as well. Yeah. Do you, have an, do you have an opinion on, have you looked into payment pools, for example, because they yeah. have sort of the same benefit? Yeah. At least when it comes to like hosting lightning channels. Yeah. How do they relate to each other? Uh, why are state chains that much better? Really? Yeah, so so it's kind of a different different problem, right? Where the the payment pool can actually work on top of the state chain. So with a payment pool, at least like I think the uh, the scenario you guys described was uh, where you kind of go on chain periodically, right? So you have a, a UTXO. It's controlled by let's say ten people, and when one of them wants to pay, you go on chain with all ten people cooperating. And you send a little bit of money out, and that money came from kind of the inside of the pool from that one person. But from the outside, you just see a single UTXO paying a little bit and mm -hmm. sending it to another UTXO. That moment of going on chain can be completely off chain now. That that would be the state chain. But that can happen with payment pools as well. Right. But then uh, once you do that, so you could then you would have basically a lightning channel factory, right? Where mm -hmm. and so then the first thing is you can only pay people that are inside of the pool. Or you have to have a lightning channel with enough liquidity and route it through for, through the lightning network. So then you, you go back into the, the kind of the, the lightning limitations. So even there, you have kind of a uh, a limit that you're that you're hitting that is not really there with state chains. Although obviously you have a trade off of trusting a federation, so it's not you, you don't get that for free, but you you really have total freedom with where to send your money on a state chain. Yeah, that's also the main a big difference, right? So we just we talked about these, these payment pools before. So, so you cannot simply move money out of it without doing something on chain. Yeah. Or you know, or with Lightning. But no, but you can send it to people who are not in the payment pool. They just got to join then. So but, that's sort of but that's similar benefits. That's an on-chain action. You can't join no, off-chain. There, there's no way of joining a payment pool off-chain. That, that's not possible. I, thought I think there is. Yeah, you can pay someone. Maybe we have to re-listen to the to our, to our own episode. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's possible. You can just I, let I someone join. I, I don't think so because because you have a multisig and and they are not part of the multisig. They don't have the key. No, but they are in the new version. Yeah, but then you have to go on chain to put them in the new in the new version. I don't think so. On chain that gives them ownership. If if nothing happens on chain, they won't be like in the you know in the, in the first in the UTXO. Who controls the UTXO? Well, it's not that person, right? Because no, but they are so. We okay, so 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 sure, sure, me. We're we're in this payment pool, right? Yeah. So we got a shared UTXO. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we now want to pay you. Okay. We both have I don't know. We I have two Bitcoin shares as one. Yeah. Now I want to pay you one, so we both have three in the new payment pool. Yeah. So we create a new multi-sig mm -hmm. where you are also part of it now, and we distribute it in such a way that we all have one Bitcoin. And we do this through L2, so mm -hmm. we can do it off-chain, and now you're part of the pool, and we did it all off-chain. Okay, so let's say I'm part of the pool this now. Is, this is not about uh, state yeah. chains at all anymore, no, by the way, but that's fine. No, no, it's, 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 it's still related. <laughs> but, uh, I can bring it back to, to stations. But, okay. okay, so now the question is, there. So okay, so you, you brought me in off-chain, but now the, who owns the UTXL on the blockchain? What is, what is the script there? Well, that's the basically this off-chain transaction that you have. You can send it to the blockchain, and then you have the coin, right? Yeah, but but you so can funding transaction. Yeah, but you can update. You can up. Who can update that funding transaction? Well, the funding transaction is already on the blockchain, so nobody can update it. So the, sa the same way, you, the same way you added me. To, you see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, the same way you added me to the pool. <laughs> 
you can also unadd me because you guys control that key. I don't control. Yeah, it. we still we still control the snore, uh, the yeah, the yeah. original type root. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Damn so it. That, that's where the, the pool party ends, I'm afraid. Yeah. I think you might be right. Yeah. Now I'm, uh... so in that case, if, if we are right, like collectively, yeah. then you can sum up some of the differences saying, okay, with state change you can add arbitrary people mm-hmm. uh, without doing anything on-chain, but you need to trust server-ish. Yeah. And with both of them you can do lightning channels inside of it, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else? So, so there is, there's one and thing... you can compare yeah. it with, you know, you can go all the way from a custodial wallet where you have some trust, you, know, you have complete trust, and, and but account balances can be moved completely arbitrarily and people can receive Bitcoin by getting an email yeah. without any on-chain action if they trust that model or they can, you know, take it out until it goes Ponzi. <laughs> and, you know, you go to a federated sidechain where you trust the... The federation to actually give you your money back, mm-hmm. but within that system you can move arbitrarily and you can send it to people who uh, are new, right? You can send liquid, for example, to any person on the planet yes. as long as they create a wallet for that. Yeah. They can then withdraw it with some restrictions, but they can do it. And with state chains, yeah, you can also send it to arbitrary people. Yeah. And then, right, with uh, the coin pools, you cannot send it to arbitrary people. That's right. So that's kind of where it goes down. And with Lightning, you most certainly can send to arbitrary people because you also need to have inbound capacity to receive. So that's another barrier, yeah. but it's completely trustless. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. So, so you yeah. You need to be vigilant with Lightning, right? So that's, yeah. that's a big trade-off. You, you can't just go to bed and ignore what's happening on the chain in Lightning. So, so on-chain, you get it, it's yours, and you're done. Well, so I, I would have to add that with state chains, that, that there's a similarity there, right, where you do have to watch for Alice, like if Bob receives the, the state chain off-chain UTXL, Alice could still send her transaction to the blockchain and then Bob has to override it. So Bob does have to check the blockchain once a week right. or so. So that's similar. Me to the point of how complicated is your actual wallet and node yeah. software going to be to do this? So we know yeah. Lightning software is not simple. Yeah. It has to watch a whole bunch of things. And we, we discussed this with the coin pools as well. That you, you probably need Lightning-ish kind of complexity yeah. to, to move money around and to see which of your pool your pool, your, your co-poolers are actually there and make sure that all stays synced. So if you have to build the complexity anyway, I would imagine people will just use Lightning because that complexity is already built. Yeah. And I think uh, with state chains, you have a maybe similar complexity, maybe less because you can stop paying attention when you're done. Yeah, there's a, there's, the interesting thing is there's a lot of overlap with how Lightning works. So I think a lot of the stuff that's being built for Lightning will be operational for state chains. For instance, watchtowers, right? So there are all these proposals to have other people look at the blockchain on your behalf and send a certain transaction when something occurs. And that exact same model would apply here, for yeah. instance. Well, that applies to what I said before, too, right? So... You, yeah, you can reuse a lot of the complex software that's already out there. Yeah. Especially if they're good gener- generic libraries. But it's not a completely existing software package yet. No, and no. somebody has to make it. There's a lot of work that and needs so to be done. So it's always easy to use a software package that's already there. Yeah. So, so there is one point that I want to go back to, which is the payment pool example where, where Aaron was saying, okay, let's add Ruben into the pool. So one way you can do that is through state chain. So if inside of the payment pool, the Aaron's UTXO is actually controlled by the state chain, then through the state chain inside of the pool, you could give me that one Bitcoin. 
and you would not need a source to cooperate with you in order to do so. So yeah. this is a subtle point, but kind of an important one, and it's very specific to kind of what we were getting at with the whole payment pool limitation of A, you can't add new people, B, you have to cooperate with everybody to do so. So if, if instead of the payment pool, your key is actually controlled by a state chain, you are free to move that coin however you like without the other payment pool participants having to get involved. So that's a kind of a important point, but I think a, a difficult one to, to grasp. Uh, so hopefully it's clear. It's a lot of layers. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot of layers. Especially because you can nest this stuff forever. Right? Yeah. You have state chains inside of coin pools, inside of state chains, inside of lightning channels. That's right. All right. Uh, Aaron, do you think we have uh, more questions to ask this time? or? That's enough nests for me, Shores. Okay, in that case, I'll say uh, thank you for listening to the Van Weerdum Shores NATO Special Samsung Edition. Yeah, there you go. 